With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Start with our condolences to Nikki McCray. Uh, rest in peace, young lady. Also, we'll talk about the Major League Baseball draft. Chase Burns, ninth to the Rockies. Grant Williams is no longer a Celtic. That hurts my heart. Tennessee picks up a commitment since we last spoke to you. So a lot going on. Here we go with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Let's get it rolling. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. So here we go, Caleb Calhoun, a big show on tap, Tennessee with a commitment. But what do they need next after William Satterfield? That's on offthehooksports.com. We'll go through that. Over the weekend, Georgia with another player that got arrested with a uh, driving issue. He likes to go 88 and a 55. That's not good. Georgia named as the most likely team to repeat as conference champions. Would it be a failure if they don't? Arch Manning is jacked. And today's tough question, will I deal with the SEC who wins the SEC? As we're exactly seven days away, depending on when you're watching this, from SEC Media Days. Hazing still a thing. I'll share with you the one hazing um, practice. That was allowed, to my knowledge, 
uh, in the past five coaches in Tennessee football history, Philip Fulmer let one thing go, and he was fine with that. And then a great piece by our own Caleb Calhoun on offthehooksports.com as 10, uh, some things that schools overrate when trying to build their program. So let's get it up and rolling. An early ask of you, and that is to go ahead and hit that like button because that helps us spread the word. If you haven't subscribed yet, if you haven't turned your notifications on yet, you got to do that because we have one of the all-time best receivers in Tennessee football history that will be on our YouTube page Tomorrow, as Fred and I are all set for that, also Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren coming up early in the week, as I fully expect the SEC to announce later today. And I hinted at this last week that it will be Jacob Warren, Joe Milton, and it will be Omari Thomas as the three SEC players from Tennessee that will be invited to SEC Media Days, where we'll be record broadcasting live next week so hit the like button we've got a lot going on caleb how are you sir oh i'm amazing i was streaming taylor swift's re-release of speak now over the weekend this is her her, her recorded version so it was just so much fun <laughs> don't know what to think about that but maybe i need to start looking into this taylor swift thing because i think she's got some staying power I, I think I think she's pretty good, according to most of the people. And I've got she's a, about to go on the first tour ever that generates a billion dollars. <laughs> wow, that's pretty wild. Um, so okay, a uh, billion dollars is good money. We don't make that type of money, but I, I mean, I guess we do okay from time to time. So I mean, if someone lot... wants to throw us a billion dollars, I mean, Elon, I know I've said some mean things about you, but you know, if you'd like to give us a billion, we're here. Yeah, yeah, and if you decide to do that, though. Do it. I'll give you an individual link because then like 40% of it on the donations to YouTube channels actually go to a YouTube. So we don't want that. Um, and we certainly wouldn't want that to happen. So we've got a lot going on in the program, but let's hit on those top three notes at the, uh, the that I mentioned in our, our dry open is, is what they call it. And that is uh, Nikki McCray. It was a uh, heartbreaking and assistant coach in basketball. Now she was diagnosed with breast cancer, 51 years old. Just you, you absolutely uh, hate to hear that. And uh, man, one day I hope, because I've been hit personally by this as we all have, that we just, we get to a point where cancer is, is either more manageable or curable. I don't know when that happens, but Nikki McCray was one, a heck of a basketball player for Tennessee. There's no question about it. And uh, rest in peace, young lady. Yes, she absolutely was. You know, she's from uh, my hometown, right outside my hometown. I'm from Memphis. She's from Collierville was where she grew up. And she did a lot of work in that area. She was a really, really, really great person. And um, she's, I, I, you know, if we're doing top 10 players in Lady Vols history, she's she might be on there. I know she didn't win a national championship, but I feel like Nikki McCray has like that Carol Lawson pool where even though they didn't win a national title, they're still legends almost at that level with Tennessee. Those two, I think, and Holly Warlick too. Those are the three that didn't win national titles as players that I still think you can mention in the same sentence as the ones who did that are the greats. Good point. Chase Burns, ninth to the Rockies. 
a little higher than I thought he would go, quite frankly. What did you think of number nine and going to the Rockies? Where obviously it's still a hitter's ballpark. We don't hear that as much because the Rockies aren't as relevant. But you go to the Rockies. I do think you would have a support system there because I know that Todd Helton still owns like a 40-acre or it might be 400-acre farm there to different sort of stratosphere as you and me. But he, uh, Chase Burns to the Rockies, what did you make about that? Yeah, I was actually kind of shocked about that too, funny enough. But, you know, him going – because he had a bit of a drop-off this year. You know, his ERA uh, took a jump from 2.91 to 4.25. So, I, I – now, for those who don't know, in college baseball, an ERA in the fours in college baseball is like an ERA in the low threes, high twos in professional baseball with the metal bats. I mean, that's just how this – Ping, ping, ping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, it's, but but the the drop off was still a little bit shocking to me. So I, I'm not so sure. I, I didn't see this coming, but I think again, I think the potential is clearly there. So I, I, I understand why he was taken. No doubt about it. Um, and then we've got Grant Williams going to the Mavericks. That was a shame because I'm a Celtics fan. But it had gotten to the point where Grant Williams would only be in there in defense. They had a guy at the three that was shooting a lot of threes and he just, he wasn't a good matchup hundred percent of the time. There would be some series in the playoff that he would play 90% of the time. There would be other series that he would play less than 10. So he was a weird fit there and probably a luxury for the Celtics, but let's get to Cruton as we always love to do. How about William Satterfield? Tennessee picks him up last week, just shortly after we went off the air. And I tell you what, man, William Satterfield is a big pickup between the balls and Clemson. Kudos to Caleb Giroux for being all over this. And if you haven't followed Giroux's work, J-A-R-R-E-A-U, he's on the Twitter. Find him because he's the next recruiting superstar reporter i can promise you that and he had it before anyone else satterfield number 191 prospect in the nation number 11 interior offensive lineman according to 247 sports out of archbishop uh, hoban high school in akron ohio number seven prospect in that state which is one of the most talent rich states in the entire nation and to beat clemson a significant other school that is significant, too, particularly to Tennessee because they lost out on the T. Higgins and Amari Rogers of the world. To pick this guy is just absolutely monstrous for Tennessee because receivers are never going to be in demand at Tennessee. Everybody is going to want to play for Tennessee at receivers. Defensively, it depends on your mindset. Are you okay with playing more snaps? Um, running back. Let's face it, running backs aren't what they used to. There aren't really special, special running backs anymore, except for maybe one a nation and one per year in the nation. I know that Tennessee's going to rotate their running backs. Quarterbacks, guys are going to want to play for Josh Heupel. But to get the big daddies, I've always said on this show and thought in the back of my mind, to get the big daddies like Satterfield is, uh, Satter White, excuse me, are absolutely monstrous. And when you look at Tennessee, they're starting to trend that way and that direction. I'm going to use a guy named Cade Mays because he was a bona fide five-star coming out of school. 
those are the top of guys you want. And I know Butch Jones back in the day that he would say, oh, we can grow this guy. There was the one guy out of Florida. I can't remember his name. It was like 250 pounds. I was like, no, you don't want to grow these guys. You want them to be big dudes coming out of school. And uh, certainly there is no question that uh, Satterwhite is one of those guys. What did you make of the pickup on Friday? And what does that mean for Tennessee football recruiting as a whole? This is huge. Uh, three weeks ago, it's right about three weeks ago, Dave, we talked about Max Anderson being kind of the biggest pickup of the class for Tennessee at that moment. They got a guy from Texas that a lot of top-notch schools in that area really wanted, and Tennessee beat them all out. Now they go and beat out Clemson for William Satterwhite for an Ohio prospect. Now, again, at first there were some red flags to me because it just I had seen some of the top schools leading and Ohio State wasn't on the list. And I'm like, uh, does that mean Ohio State didn't want him that much? I don't know. But Clemson clearly wanted him. And he chose Tennessee over Clemson. And that stands out a lot. And I still think Alabama did offer uh, and, and pursued him pretty significantly for a little while, too. So this is a very, very big pickup. It really sets up Tennessee's, and this is an underrated part of Tennessee's uh, offense, which we've talked about for a while, which is, they really need that vertical rushing attack to be a threat consistently if they're going to have those deep passes. Just like Max Anderson, William Satterwhite is an interior offensive lineman. So you're looking at two guys you could I mean, you could really build your future around. Now, I'm not saying, you know, look, it's not like tackles are a dime, it doesn't. you got to find good left tackles. I'm not here to pretend that you can't. But, you know, Dave, if you load up on the interior and you find a center, which they need to do for the future once Cooper Mace is gone because they're really going to miss Cooper Mace, well, you know, you might be able to get a tackle in the transfer portal at that point. And you can even sell you can even sell to a left tackle, hey, you're going to have a lot of support from the interior, so you don't really have to worry about, and I know you know this, Dave, it's a lot harder for a left tackle when your left guard's not that good and you got to cover for them. True, and, and you can sell this too. Look at Darnell Wright, who was left tackle, and then they taught him how to play right tackle, and they're going to do the same thing of, of moving guys around. So – you say to that tackle, hey, if you've got the physical ability, we're going to get you ready immediately. So still, Jake Merklinger is the top-rated prospect in the class. Satterfield would come in at fifth, according to a 247's composite ranking. And then if you want to look at the other offensive linemen that Tennessee has, it would be Gabe, uh, Gage Jenther out of Colorado. I wonder if that one's a little bit of reach, just to be real honest with you, then uh, Jesse Perry uh, out of uh, MTSU. So you got a group to start with, but I'm going to be real honest with you. It's far from over. Somebody told me that in 2024, quote, that's when it gets dicey with the offensive line. So that's what I'm sharing from somebody within the program because they're going to lose a lot of guys. They've depended on Je some of Jeremy Pruitt's. You mentioned Cooper, Man uh, Cooper Mays. They've depended on some of Jeremy Pruitt's guys, and they have also um, they picked up guys in, in the transfer portal. But you're going to have to be good on the offensive line, I believe, via high school football recruiting. So this isn't done. They need two more guys of this ilk, but it's a step in the right direction where we're not waking up saying, hey, they need three guys of this ilk because I I'm – I'm not going to try to sugarcoat anything. Satterwhite is the type of cat that if you get two or three of, you're going to be good on the offensive line 
each and every year. I believe he's that good. Yes, uh, Max Anderson and William Satterwhite are both those guys that you can set. You can they're going to come to Knoxville, and the minute they learn the system, you can plug them in pretty much. They're not long term projects at offensive and line. I, and I overlooked Max Anderson. You're absolutely right. Another four star guy. So you pick up another guy or two that he'll. I think you're in great shape. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, you're right. Jesse Perry and Gage Ginther both are much longer term projects. You're. If they have to go into the lineup before 2026, then Tennessee might be in some trouble. I'm just going to be honest with you. But you're right. If they can get two more of these guys, that really sets up their offensive line. They've got to – again, it's – I'm learning now, the more I cover Tennessee, I didn't realize, Dave, it seems like – I know left tackle is probably a more important position. Yes, a left tackle is more important than center. But – Center seems like the hardest job to find somebody competent at on the offensive line. It seems like a total shot in the dark if you can get a good center or not. A lot of dudes don't touch the ball in high school. And um, Cooper Mays, uh, he, he had to learn within an offseason uh, to handle the football. So did Spencer Riley, if you want to go back to 1998. And I'll, t- I'll tell you a funny story that's on that Celebrate 98 series. Uh, Spencer Riley didn't have one single fumble to T. Martin. So a new quarterback, uh, a guy that had moved from the defensive line, but they did have one. I don't know if you remember this play early in the Syracuse game, but at one point Spencer Riley snapped the ball and T wasn't ready for it or he snapped it early. And so Spencer just ran off running with it. Um, that's illegal touching. You can't do that as a center, but it doesn't count as a fumble. And Spencer Riley still takes – great pride in that so i thought that was uh pretty cool so what does tennessee need left uh well according to caleb Giroux on off the they uh, need more receivers look at mike matthews and amari jefferson more interior offensive linemen uh williams winary it would be one camarion uh, franklin would be another running back wouldn't hurt to get a special running back how about Braylon Russell? That's what uh, Tennessee is after right now. So You meant interior defensive line, not interior offensive line. Oh, interior sorry. defensive line, excuse me. Yeah. And then Braylon Russell uh, is another guy that they could team up, you would think, with Peyton Lewis that would be pretty good. But I, I don't know that they're going to get a special running back anytime soon, but there really aren't that many special running backs, Caleb. But if I had a grade Tennessee right now, and how they're cruising along, I would give this, as far as recruiting, B, B to B minus at this point, which is just fine for early, mid-July. That's actually pretty darn good. Yeah, that's exactly where I would have it too. And and part of it is, and they're finally doing this, and they've been doing this the last couple of weeks, is they're – even though the ranking isn't where you want it to be yet because it's in the 10 to 15 range, I think composite has dropped them down to 11 today. They were at number 10 yesterday. What I would say is that they have addressed clear needs with this class. And that seems to be what Josh Eichel is going about doing a lot, which is he doesn't seem to be getting the, the, the four or five, five star players. You know what I'm talking about? Those like five, five stars that push your class into the top five. But he's getting, he's making sure every position group is filled with competent players where he has the needs for going forward. That that seems to be his recruiting method more than anything else. 
No, and you want to, you can lean as long as you want to on the transfer portal, but I don't know that long term. <coughs> pardon me, that's where you want to end up. So Satterwhite, a huge pickup for Tennessee, and Tennessee felt confident going into that. So it wasn't any great surprise uh, whatsoever. All right, let's get to Georgia. I'm going to look around the conference, and we'll do that for the remainder of this week as well as far as the key teams that are um, on, on Tennessee's schedule and that could stand in their way of a fantastic season. And there is no question that Georgia is that. They were named by CBS Sports as the most likely team to repeat as conference champions. This is like zero surprise to me, Caleb, um, especially with the Big Ten and Southern California and UCLA combining. So you could have said if, if Southern California was still in the, the Pac-12 that it would be. Oh, Southern no, they're going to be in the Pac-12 this year. They're still in the okay, Pac-12 so, this year. Okay, so why wouldn't it be Southern Cal in that instance? I thought they had moved that thing up. Oh, well, USC didn't win the Pac-12 last year. That's why Utah won it last year. But wouldn't you think with all they have coming back in another year under Lincoln Riley? So let's make an argument right there. Well, this, go- this list is who's most likely to repeat as conference champions. Not who's, So you have to win the conference. Which which of the conference champions last year are most likely to repeat this year? Now, I still That's- disagree with the list, funny enough, because I, I'm with you. I think USC is the most surefire conference champion. But of conference champions most likely to repeat, sorry, Clemson should be ahead of Georgia. Not that Clemson's better than Georgia, but Dave, Clemson winning the ACC or Georgia winning the SEC? Which one's more likely? Come on. Okay, let me make the argument, but I agree with you. So let's just restart this. Uh, Georgia is the most likely to repeat as conference champions. Uh, Should it be Clemson or Georgia? Let me make the argument for Georgia, and then I'll let you roll with Clemson, okay? The argument for Georgia is, is that I think Georgia is the best football program in in the nation. Now, you could retort that with they're also the worst driving football program in in the nation, and that could undermine them, and that's something that we're going to get into throughout the week and with some Georgia beat writers next week at SEC Media Days. But uh, here's why I think that Georgia is very, very likely to win the championship again, because what sport – do teams most often win when they're better? It's football, right? I mean, in basketball, you could have a hot shooter. In baseball or hockey, you could have a great pitcher or a great goalie, respectively, that could take you to a title. But for the most part, would you agree that the better team wins in football? Is that fair? Yes, and this is really going to show when the playoff expands to 12 teams. <clears throat> yeah, I think it. I think it actually could be. Uh, ugly at times so here's why i like georgia uh, to repeat as the the sec champion is because i just think they're significantly better than alabama and i think this is somewhat of a transition philosophically this year for alabama so i understand your clemson argument but ultimately is clemson that much better than florida state or the other suitors to win the sec maybe but I might be higher on Georgia than you are. I think that Georgia is grounded, assuming they take care of their off-field issues. I would go Georgia with this list as conference repeat champions. You would go Clemson. Would anybody else rival Georgia to you, Caleb? Um, I think those are the only two because then you have Michigan and Utah, and I don't think either – I actually 
don't think either of them is likely to repeat. I think Ohio State and USC both win those conferences. And then you have Tulane and the American, but again, the, and Kansas State and the Big 12. So, yeah, those are the clear cut top two. The reason I'm going Clemson is I don't even think Florida State's Clemson's toughest game this year, and they play Florida State. I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. Clemson's toughest game is one of two matchups. Now, you tell me which one. That opener at Duke, that is scary. I don't know if you know, Duke went 9-4 and four last year. And I'm just saying, Mike Elko is – talk about a coach that might be the hottest commodity in college football next year if he repeats that at Duke. And – sorry, what were we going to say? No, go right ahead. Oh, um, yeah, so that's – but if they get past that, the only other game for Clemson that scares me would be – for the an ACC play – would be Miami on October the 21st. But I'm still not sold that Miami is where it needs to be with Mario Cristobal. So I think they have that. They get Florida State at home. I think Florida State's massively overrated. So I, I just think the road is easy. And I, I want to point this out. Everybody's caught with blinders that Georgia's won back-to-back national titles. But they haven't won back-to-back SEC titles. No. They didn't win it in 2021. And so it's... I think people are seeing the back-to-back and just assuming automatically, oh, three-peat, at least three-peat is undefeated, undefeated. Yeah, you kind of think you kind of think that, at least. Yeah. I did bump into somebody over the weekend, and we were standing behind them in line, and I didn't speak to them. But I turned to the guy, and this guy had a big Georgia tattoo on the back of his calf. And I and I, he had Tennessee stuff on, so I knew that he was a Tennessee fan. I turned to him, and I said, do you think he got that? Um, tattoo when Drunken Ray Golf was the head coach at Georgia or just recently. <laughs> he goes, man, I'm with your brother, but don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. <laughs> I was close, though, just for funsies. And I knew he would have my back. So I was excited about that. Uh, man, you've got to try out the chill pills before I tell you the other school that you should be uh, concerned about re-winning their conference or uh, repeating as uh, champions of their conference. It's crafttreats.com. It is great for your pet. Your pet will absolutely love uh, crafttreats.com. And the chill pills will help with the digestive issues. And they'll also help with, uh, man, arthritis issues. They'll help with anxiety. It's all there. It's crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. That's off the hook. The chill pills are fantastic, but other craft treats available for your dog or pet and cat. And I think my wife's dragging me to get a uh, dog today. So I can tell you if it's a puppy, it's going to be loaded up with the chill pills. I can promise you that right now. Use the promo code off the hook, off the hook, get 20% off. Please support our sponsors. We greatly appreciate it. That's why we're here each weekday at 10 a.m. So you got Clemson repeating as champion in your mind. You've got Georgia, in my mind, repeating as champion because I think this is a transitional year for Alabama with a new quarterback and a new offensive system. I think those two, to me, feel like locks. Anybody else feel like locks in in the big-time conferences? You're forgetting about that old Bayou school that could give Georgia some trouble, and there's there's a team they visited Knoxville in November that could give them some trouble. So I'm not so sure they're a lock. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. In my mind, they're a lock. Okay. So th- those two, and, and would I be surprised? No. I mean, Tennessee was a lock to just win eight games last year in my mind, and hell, I was absolutely wrong on that. So I'm not, I'm not a lock in my mind does not mean that I'm saying at the at December, come rip on me. Uh, but who else is a, quote, hooker lock to, which they have to use sometimes when they find a lady of the night working. You have to use a hooker lock. <laughs> I like 
That way, the patty you just lock her to the nearest lamppost, and then a paddy wagon can come by. It's a hooker lock. The paddy wagon can come by and pick her up later. But who of those are in the conversation as far as conference champions most likely to repeat? See, here's the thing. I don't think anybody else is. Okay, so Michigan's number three. Look, I don't think Michigan's – if Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten this year, you've got to fire Ryan Day. I'm going to be honest. This is the most talented team Ohio State's ever had that they're about to have this year. This is the they, – they might be the most talented team in college football. Look at the number of projected first-rounders for Ohio State next year. It's off the charts. So, Ohio State – there's no way Michigan – are you with me on this? Michigan is not – he has them at number three. I got them at number 10. I think they're almost a lot to not win the Big Ten, Michigan. Yeah, and I think that they've got issues there. I think at some point there is a residual from Jim Harbaugh looking for an NFL job. I think uh, players start to question leadership. I think that stuff happens more than you think. I think it started to happen with Philip Fulmer in the mid to late 90s, to be real honest with you. But um, so I, I think. I think Michigan's the type of program that can load up, win it one year, and be average for two or three years. But uh, who who else? Because I want to get to today's tough question. Okay, so number four, they have Utah. Again, I think almost a lot to not win it. If USC doesn't win it this year, then that's a big red flag for Lincoln Riley still being in the Pac-12. And then number five, Tulane. So the reason Tulane actually wouldn't be higher on the list is because the team that's number 10 on here, Texas-San Antonio, who plays Tennessee, by the way, they won the Conference USA last year, but they're in the American this year. And I've got Texas San Antonio as the best group of five team in college football this year. So Texas San Antonio, Tulane. Guys, that is the game of the year right there if they play each other. I don't know if they play each other. but <laughs> um, And then Kansas State, number six, uh, with the Big 12. I, I don't think Kansas State's repeating. Do you? Mm, no, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be the biggest Big 12 expert in the world. I'll just be real frank with you. Rocky Top Tom says, Georgia is a lock in the SEC. Again, simply too powerful in defense. Only lock on my conference. And yes, Caleb, if Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan to win the Big 10, it's over for Ryan Day. Whoa, you've got you guys have some pretty big standards. I mean, if they just lose one game to Michigan, I'm not sure they're making a change. In they look at how loaded this Ohio – I know, I know, but but still, you're in the college football playoff just last year. It will probably be this year. It's hard to fire a coach doing that. This Ohio State team is, I'm going here. If they don't win it, it's as egregious as the 97 Vols not beating Florida, which I thought was an egregious black mark on Fulmer's record. That 97 team was so talented, they had no business losing to Florida that year. That should have been the year they ended the streak, not 98. And... I got to be honest, if Ohio State doesn't go undefeated in the regular season, with maybe a slip up here, they got to win the Big Ten. They're too loaded. This Ohio State team is one of the most talented teams I've ever seen in college football this year. Now, uh, here we go. So that leads us to today's tough question. And I, I can actually tell when we have a huge uh, audience on all of our platforms and we're off and running on a Monday. So I'm going to ask you to hit that like button and be sure that you subscribed and be sure – that you have your notifications on because it's practically football season for me. I'll go ahead and tell you kids when we get to sec media days, I think you can probably hear it. My voice I'm jazzed and we're going to be from there. Um, man, this is football season. I don't care what you say. This is football season. When I get on ESPN.com and I see that the lead story is the selection of the WNBA all-star draft to hell with that. 
I am just absolutely in football season. Here we go. Today's tough question. It's about the dogs. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Yeah, so from now on, when somebody asks, somebody says, what do you like to listen to? What's your favorite podcast or show? And you say the Dave Hooker Show with Caleb Calhoun. Just say, and they say, wow, why do you listen to that? Dave Hooker, guys. He's washed up, and I haven't heard of Caleb Calhoun yet. No, you have to say, because on their show, it's football season, by golly gee, and you can use other words. So, is it a failure for Georgia if they don't win the SEC? Yay or nay, Caleb? No, because they could still win the national championship without winning the SEC. (laughs) The SEC is the one conference where you can do that. (laughs) No, 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 no. No. The SEC still matters. It is a monster failure for Georgia, if they do not win the SEC, you just rolled your eyes at me. Do you can, do you can, do you do you consider the twenty twenty one season a failure for Georgia? Partial. Oh come on! You think Georgia? Partial, <laughs> I do. The SEC is, and if you're watching on the video platform on YouTube, I mean, it's this close. I got my fingers this close together. To me, winning the SEC, and I've always said this, is just this close, this close to winning the entire national championship. I would rather, let's put it this way. I'd rather win three SEC championships than one national title. Is that crazy? No. Because then you're knocking on the door on that fourth year. I got a question for you. Would you rather, let's do this. 90s through 2000s Braves. Would you rather be the Braves during that period or the Marlins? Braves won the division every year, but got one World Series title. Marlins made the playoff. I'd rather be the Braves. Over the Marlins with the two World Series titles? Yes. No, no. You take the the the, the Nash the, the the peak championship is the most important thing. You take the champ. You take the ultimate championship. Sorry, you take well, it. Everybody <laughs> agrees with you. So so far, they're saying that's crazy, Dave. I, that mean, think, means something to me. Do you think? Remember that 04 series where the Red Sox came back, legendary from the three zero deficit to the Yankees to win the. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that as a Yankees fan. I, well, do you think the Red Sox were like, well, we didn't win the ALE, so it still was a failure? Do you think they thought that? <laughs> no, but I'll put it this way. I think beating the Yankees in the playoffs, they would look back at that as a special year, even if they didn't win the World Series. I do believe that. Oh, they probably would. But I'm just saying you'd rather be the team that wins it all. You would. That's the most important thing. Utah made the playoffs 20 years in a row with Carl Malone and John Stockton. I think uh, the Rockets are happier with their results when they made the playoffs twice and won it twice in the mid-90s. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, there was no Jordan there, though. But uh, Arch Manning's buff. Arch Manning is just absolutely um, just a superstar. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Some people would have you believe uh, we'll get to that. Does that matter? And a scout told me that Arch Manning is most like one Manning, and we'll discuss that after this. And But Arch Manning's buff. Two minutes. Don't forget, Dante Stallworth is our next on the Celebrate 98 Series notifications on Off the Hook Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! 
Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sir, boys and girls. Or a guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Did you see that last commercial in what the industry calls a stop set? Well, it's Tennessee Cider Company, TNCiderCompany.com, TNCiderCompany.com. And I'm telling you one thing, they're awesome. Absolutely awesome. And they support our Celebrate 98 series. Dante Stallworth, who played the part of Peter Warwick, leading up to the championship game. He wasn't a huge factor in in that season, but uh, some things you'll learn about Dante Stallworth are just monstrous and how he helped uh, the Vols that year. But if you go to tinsidercompany.com, tinsidercompany.com, you can order their fantastic cider, support Tennessee fans, and use the promo code HAT. Use HAT and you will get a hat 
as uh, you'll have some swag with any order and you can order from anywhere. And Caleb Calhoun is so excited to talk about Arch Manning being jacked that if you're watching on YouTube, he just threw it up on the screen without me doing so. He's just that was so, not on purpose. That was a total accident. Yeah, it was it was too. You're you're t- I mean, Caleb was texting me Saturday like four times. Sunday, like eight times going, have you seen how jacked that this uh, this Arch Manning I was is? trying to cue it up, and for some reason it just automatically went, you're saying yeah. this up, Dave. Yeah, okay, man crush, maybe, maybe Caleb Calhoun has a man crush on Arch Manning. I don't know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Caleb, there's not, just like on Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. If you want to have a man crush, on Arch Manning, you can. May I bring you? May I bring up the pictures now in which he's super jacked that you pervade the internet the entire weekend to find? It's not that there's anything wrong with having a man crush, but it would be with Arch Manning because he's a little too young. I mean, he just turned eighteen. I mean, that 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 would be very problematic, honestly. When it's <laughs> man, my son. By the way, we go to the gym on Friday, and he's pulling up his shirt. He goes, I just can't give my abs to show and I can't get any skinnier. I was like, what a damn shame. That is just all. (laughs) (laughs) You wear 32 pants and I'm like, I don't want to hear about it, but Arch is jacked. So I'll pull it up because I don't want you to get too excited and have to shut down your camera. So let me pull it up because Arch is jacked. Arch is jacked. Look at him. We've got Peyton Manning, who I see some abs there, but we do see the protruded stomach as Peyton had that. He had that uh, spine that kind of bowed out. You know, that's why his shoulders are back when he walks. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm, uh, by the way, hit that subscribe and like button, turn the notifications on. I'm doing my Peyton Manning walk right now in my chair, which is the shoulders are slightly back and the arms slightly extended. Uh, Eli Manning, not jacked. Uh, Arch Manning, jacked. Does that mean he's a better athlete than Peyton or Eli just because he's jacked? Because he does, man, he's got like the the little V that goes down on the obliques. He's got the abs. He's got all that going on. So does that mean he's a better athlete than Eli Peyton? Raw athlete. Notice I didn't say quarterback, Caleb. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I gotta be honest with you. Let's hey, let's, look, let's let's be honest, Caleb. You're trying to pull back your affinity for Arch being Jack. Arch is, <laughs> Arch is barely eighteen. That would that no. Um, okay, I will say, yeah, I said since he was in eighth grade, which when I first covered his recruiting, that he was a better athlete than Peyton or Eli, and I'm thoroughly convinced. He's a better athlete than Peyton or Eli, and yeah, no, I'm. I I don't even I don't even really think it's a question. Uh, I don't think he's. I think he's definitely the best athlete of the younger Manning generations to play quarterback, and so whether or not that turns into being an elite drop back passer is a different story. But yeah, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Dave. Yeah, I think that he's the best athlete between him, Peyton, and Eli, and I, I don't I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, Four Downs brought to you by Zen Sports. I'll tell you more. Four Downs is now on Off the Hook Sports. Four Downs. Four questions. 
four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. I'm going to make this tough on you. Arch Manning's game will be what percentage of running the football? Peyton Manning's game was about 5%, which is basically a fake bootleg, right? I mean, he always had – Peyton yeah. Manning probably had more epic runs than any quarterback ever with that bootleg, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, but that wasn't a big percentage of his game. Eli was more athletic, so it was 10% of his game. Like, for instance, I'm saying Lamar Jackson, it's like 70% or 60% now. He throws the ball better than he did when he came into the NFL. But So that's, that's the kind of percentage I'm using to give you a benchmark. Arch Manning jacked will be what percentage – of an athlete at quarterback in which he really scares you? I think he'll use his legs 30% of the time. I see kind of an Aaron Rodgers type hmm. with him. So, and Aaron Rodgers uses his legs about 30% of the time. Now, where I say he's better than Aaron Rodgers in this, I don't mean he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what he would, where I think he's going to be smarter than Aaron Rodgers, and this is what Patrick Mahomes has. They have the most, one of the most underrated flaws in Aaron Rodgers game did you ever notice he always immediately tried to roll out the minute he took the snap he didn't like throwing from the pocket that much and I think Arch is going to be going to have the Patrick Mahomes factor he's going to be comfortable throwing from the pocket but that's so that's why I put it at maybe I'll I'll down it to 25 percent because I think that he's going to try to stay in the pocket I think everybody has to see, I agree with you, but I think everybody has to be at least 20% nowadays. I don't think that you can run around out there and be a stiff in the pocket. I think that's part of the reason that Brady was ready to cruise on out. Uh, by the way, what, what down was that Coop? Coop here. First down. Thank you, Coop. Uh, so before we get to second down, Coop, what should people do that like this channel? Cooper Mays here. Hit like, and subscribe. Thank you. All right, let's go to second down. Cooper Mays here. Second down. So a lot of Cooper Mays. Which Manning quarterback will Arch be most like? And I'm going to share this as brought to you by Zen Sports from a an actual NFL scout that I spoke to. Dave, you're going to be mad at me because I'm going to take what you're going to say because I already know it. And it's Archie. You. It's Archie. It's it obviously Archie. Yeah, because Archie was guy- an athletic quarterback. This guy's been covering football recruiting for 30, 35 years, and he says he reminds him just like Archie Manning. And for those that don't know, Archie Manning would have won four Super Bowls if he were picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers instead of Terry Bradshaw. He was that good. He was elite. He just played for the worst teams, especially when there was a bigger drop-off and still teams had the mindset of making money means it's a good team. It's a good business. Well, we know now that you can do more. You can do both. So, and during yes. that time, during that time, because of the rules, a Hall of Fame quarterback, caliber quarterback, couldn't single-handedly get a team to the playoffs because the rules were you were allowed to just beat the heck out of the quarterback at that time. So, yeah, very true. I think, he's sorry. No, he's he's very much like Archie Manning, his grandfather. No question about it. I don't know what. Yeah, Cooper and the was shocking. Like. The, the shocking part of it is how how did Peyton and Eli not get any of their dad's athleticism? That's the real yeah. story. <laughs> a big zero. You know what I think it was? I think it's as simple as this. I think they were trained at a time. Think about when they're high school athletes. Who were the best quarterbacks? Um, they were pocket passers. 
you know, whether we're talking about uh, Joe Troy Montana Aikman. or Troy Aikman or any of those guys, you know, Montana could run a little bit. But what were they taught to do? What did they spend 95 percent of their preparation throughout their middle school, high school, college careers doing? And that was to be a pocket passer. I think it's as simple as training somebody. I'm not saying that Peyton Manning is going to be like doing reverse jams and um you know windmills and all that stuff but could he have been a better runner yes the first thing you would want to do is not tie his shoelaces together on his two on his two shoes they remember he looked he ran around like his shoes were tied together did you oh you i see yeah well he was taught to do that right but I not when he broke the pocket i think it's save your rear no matter what well, and, and it's funny you talk about this because, like, now I, I always hear about how, like, uniquely athletic, more athletic than every other quarterback John Elway was at the time. But then I'm like, okay, but if John Elway played in this era, would he still have that level of athleticism since every quarterback is athletic like that? Was it was it just relative for John Elway because no other quarterback was that athletic? I'm going to give you a, a 30% yes on that. I think he was goofy athletic because he was a solid 6'5 and thick. I think that would be something that would push him past the average athlete today. But I definitely see what what you're getting at. You wouldn't look at him nowadays and say incredible athlete because everybody's an incredible athlete. Before we get to third down, Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit night airs on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get and with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume at every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Support our sponsors. Again, use the promo code HOOKED, HOOKED, and you get unlimited unlimited 5% cash back. That's pretty awesome. Hey, Coop, I lost track of the downs. What down are we on? Tennessee Center Cooper Mays here, third down. Thank you, Coop. Best raw athlete in Tennessee quarterback history is? He's currently playing for Tennessee. Oh! His name is Joe Milton. Oh, see, that surprises me. I thought you might go, Nico. Okay, so Joe Milton's the best raw quarterback you, you kind of got me on this one. All right, I was going to go <laughs> with either Condridge Holloway uh, or Heath Schuler or James Banks. I didn't think about today the guy's currently playing, but when you figure in size-speed ratio, it's probably Joe Milton. But I'm going to make an argument <coughs> uh, quickly for Heath, and I think this is a very solid argument, and and I'll take Heath as a matter of fact. I think Heath Schuler had somebody come up to him, put their arm around him at seven or eight years old and said, you can be a decathlete. You can win the decathlon in the Olympics. No doubt about it. He would have been as successful doing that as he was a quarterback, maybe even more so. So I'll take Heath Schuler, and here's why. Because when I watch Joe Milton, I don't see great lateral. I don't see great hips. I do see a great, powerful runner with speed and the strongest arm that I've seen since T. Martin and maybe stronger. But Heath Schuler had that ilk of arm. 
he was a better runner overall than Joe Milton. I, I think you would agree with that. Tell me if not. And so I think the arm was in the same league and a better runner, even though he might not have the size speed ratio. I think he could shimmy and make you move, make you miss. Um, I don't know yet that Joe Milton can do that. So what about my argument for Heath? The best of the three is probably James Banks, but he only played quarterback for a couple weeks against Georgia. So, but that's a whole different discussion for another show. So if I if I told you Heath or Joe Milton, would you still take Joe Milton as the best athlete? You make a strong case. I wanted to point out, it's funny when you mentioned James Banks, because I thought, yeah, James Banks is probably the best raw athlete to ever play quarterback at Tennessee. But you're right, then he moved to receiver, and then he got kicked off the team. And, I mean, I said for you, I, I think I told you a few weeks ago, I don't know anybody that threw away a more Hall of Fame NFL career. James Banks would have been a multimillionaire if he just wasn't so much of a head case. I mean, nobody threw away their life. Like no him. argument. And I think people make that <laughs> statement too easily, easily, but I have no argument whatsoever. Yeah. Now with Heath, so Dave, so I was so young, I've seen Heath Shuler highlights. And I will say his elusive, the thing that sticks out to me about Heath Shuler that I will say is his elusiveness where he was very good at throwing side to side on the run. I don't know if any quarterback has ever been better throwing on the run than Heath Shuler at Tennessee. I've, n- I've never seen a quarterback throw as well on the run. Now, all of his highlights are him throwing on the runs in some way a lot of times. But who was more athletic, just pure athletic, than does T. Martin have a case? Or, like, if, if, yes. you, if you put T. Martin and Heath Shuler in, in a decathlon, who's the best? I, I, I think Heath. And, and I will say this, too. There is one throw, if you want to go back and look at, that I was in person in that game because I had a friend who illegally sold me tickets – um, that was a player on the team. You're not supposed to be able to do that. That's how silly the NCAA rules were back then. But um, I went to the Florida game in which Heath Schuler was a participant. So what year would that have been? 92 or 93. Was it at Nalen or at Nealon? No, it was at Florida. So, oh, was it, oh no, that would have been 93. Okay. And, he th- and if you want to go back and look, he threw a pass off his back foot from about Tennessee's own 45 that Billy Williams caught right before half, Billy Williams of Alcoa, and uh, the ball would have landed in the end zone. So back foot, 60-yard throw. I think, yes, Joe Milton throws the ball incredibly hard, but I think they're closer than maybe than maybe we think because of recency bias. What down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Other than accuracy, well, let me just ask you this. What's the most important factor in a quarterback if you're a GM? And I don't think it's close, and I'll argue this till my dying day. I mean, I still think it's intangibles. Like, I mean, I, I you know, it's 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 the – I mean, that's – Peyton Manning got by uh, – got a Hall of Fame career on intangibles. His intangibles outweighed everything he did – he had physically. And I, I still think that matters. I mean, and I will never get over – look, Tyler Bray could have had an NFL career as a starter if he had better intangibles. I mean, and so I'm, I'm still going intangibles. couple of other votes. Oh, Mr. Jones, you just got mine. A couple of other votes for most athletic quarterback. Dobbs Hooker are top five. I have no Dobbs argument. Dobbs is not top five. Dobbs is not top five. I, I have no argument with Hooker. I have no argument with Jarrett Garantano. I would not have Dobbs top five either accuracy it it is 
accuracy. That there is something innate about that. It's like being a great shooter in football. You uh, in basketball, you can get a little bit better, but innate accuracy. That's why you and I've discussed Troy Aikman, and you think he's overrated. I disagree because I thought I thought he would put the ball on the money where it had to be in a receiver in Michael Irvin that didn't get very open because he wasn't very fast. Um, and he would hit Alvin Harper stride for stride. So I think that accuracy is something that Troy Aikman was blessed with. I think that most people are blessed with that. The thing that I've been so impressed by Josh Heupel is his ability to turn, we talked about this last week, a slightly average quarterback into a very, very average quarterback. So I think it's accuracy. Very, very accurate, you mean? Yes. What did I say? You said into a very, very average quarterback. Slightly oh, very, average. very <laughs> accurate quarterback. No, 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 no. Uh, sorry, it's Monday. So I, I, I believe firmly that um, it's accuracy. I think that's an innate. I think Aaron Rodgers has that. I think that's why he doesn't have to show up to offseason workouts for the Packers, which he is now for the Jets. But I just think you show up and you can – you know, it's like the old carnival game. One dude can hit it right in the middle of the old milk jugs, and one dude like me with a 50-year-old shoulder and tried to throw as hard as he could cannot. Well, I mean, if you have the combination of zip and accuracy, I mean, th- that's why Brett Favre never had to show up for training camp in his prime, right? Because, like, Brett Favre, whatever you think of him as a person, and I think very lowly of him as a person, but Brett Favre could probably – if he wanted to snap a specific finger in half, he probably could throw in the ball. Yeah, and you're probably too young for this, but uh, John Madden made a big deal about how hard he could throw the ball. And, you know, a football is laced together as four pieces of leather and how he would hit people so hard in the stomach underneath the shoulder pads, it would leave like the little cross on the end of a football. Uh, John Madden just thought that was the funniest thing ever, and he brought it up over and over and over as John Madden used to do. Um, but John Madden yeah. spoke Brett Favre into a three-time MVP because he loved him so much. <laughs> okay, so you do remember more of that. Sometimes you're younger than me. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, you well, do. Remember I remember that because I got – look, I actually did like watching Brett Favre play in his prime like everybody, but it was nauseating the whole – John Madden was the king of, it's like the little kid in the backyard just throwing around with his friends. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, seriously? <laughs> yes, uh, agreed with that. All right, so um, – Best athlete, end of the day, your take. I'm taking Heath Schuler. Sorry. Uh, I'm still going to take Joe Milton. I think if Joe Milton had I, – I, I think Joe Milton could be trained to do what Heath Schuler was able to do, honestly. No, no, accuracy, he doesn't have it. Accuracy has nothing to do with athleticism. So that Okay, that's true. That's true. I, I If we did a decathlon tomorrow with Heath Schuler in his prime and Joe Milton in his prime, I'm taking Heath Schuler. Or we did something like the battle of the NFL stars, which was always just. All right, but who's winning the arm wrestling championship? Who's winning in arm wrestling? Joe Milton or Heath Schuler? Come on, it's Milton. Well, probably. But there's also (laughs) modern day advances. I mean, they were giving guys creatine back then. And that's why half Tennessee's football team cramped up before a couple of games in 98 before they determined, whoa, let's lay off this creatine thing. It dehydrates you. Yep, Florida's game time touchdown to Travis McGriff happened because Deion Grant cramped up right on the throw in '98. Okay. All right, we got hazing. That is a thing again. 
what in the world should we even be surprised? I'm going to tell you why we shouldn't be surprised. And I'm also going to tell you that hazing has happened at Tennessee that I'm aware of and what the difference is between okay hazing and really, really bad hazing. Here we go. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Can you do me a favor, Caleb Calhoun, and try to describe the hazing that was going on at Northwestern as lightly, I guess, as you can, because it's kind of gross. It involves sexual type of innuendo. Do you want to describe it for me and just take me off the hook? Because it, I don't really want to uh, Let me it. pull up the full. Well, let and then I'll tell up. you that there's a school that I covered that people would all know, uh, a high school that did this as recently as 10 years ago, a very similar type of thing. I'm not going to tell you which school. And I'm going to tell you the hazing that was allowed in the early 90s, late 90s and early 2000s at Tennessee. But first, can you just describe this Northwestern hazing because it's it's gross? Yeah, I, it, it's, I, I'm trying to be very, not gross. I guess, PG when I'm talking about this. But basically, the former player, the, the main former player who spoke on, who was the whistleblower in this, said that there was this practice called running, which primarily freshmen, if they made mistakes on the field and in practice, they would be restrained by a group of eight to 10 upperclassmen dressed in various purge like masks. You guys seen the purge, you know, the purge where they, they, it was a movie where, um, it was a movie where they like every year. The I, know the movie, I know the concept of the movie. You got 24 hours to take out your vengeance on society. You, you can life. commit whatever, whatever crime you want in that 24 hours. Yes. And there was this group that would wear these masks. And so it was like scary looking. So they'd wear those, those type of masks. And they would restrain the player and they would begin there's no they would begin dry humping the victim in a dark locker room. Okay. Basically. With with so, or without clothes on. That part is not clear. I believe with clothes on, to be fair, and the reason I say it is because the, the phrase dry humping kind of implies clothes. Right. So, okay. So well, I can tell you that a, a school in East Tennessee that's a prominent school, this was something that I dug into that was happening. Um, I was working for ESPN at the time, and ESPN didn't want to run it because they were scared. And But this, this happened in which players would be hazed by having to get in the middle of a group and guys were undressed. Uh, at least from the waist down, and they would shake stuff close to the players. I don't know if there's physical contact or no, but I can uh, I can tell you that when I interviewed uh, one of the players, uh, he was in tears. So I don't doubt that it actually happened. And I interviewed other people that confirmed this. So I, I don't I don't want to get into that. I'll tell you the hazing that was allowed at Tennessee, which I, which was the kind of hazing that hazing should be. And that was very lighthearted. And basically the way it worked is they said, you're going in the ice tub. And I think that Fred may have mentioned this when you were on with us, but we talked about it more in depth in the celebrate 98 series, Dante Stallworth coming up this week. But the hazing was this, 
hey, freshman, you're going into the ice tub. And for those that haven't played organized sports, ice tub is the best and worst thing as far as rehab. When you get in it, you're terribly, terribly uncomfortable. Your little friend might run away to Iowa, if you know what I mean. So much. That's the best way I can put it. But after two minutes, and if you can, I worked my way up to 20 minutes when I was doing CrossFit, believe it or not. And you have no more muscle soreness. You know the muscle soreness when you lift too hard one day, Caleb, and, and like a day or two later, you're like, you had zero muscle soreness. So it absolutely works. So, but there was, so there was a means to an end. You start to like the, the ice bath. And the deal was you either go in the ice bath or somebody's going to throw your rear in there. And that was it. That was hazing. Now, I'll give you an example of another hazing. So that one's okay. Wouldn't you agree, Caleb? That well, one's okay. it, I, I don't blame anybody for doing this back then, but I would say it's not okay now. And here's why. Because we have more the knowledge. Thing? Yes, and here's why. And we learned a lot about this during COVID. And I, when I was where I was working, we've covered a lot of COVID details and heart conditions and things like that. When you get dunked into cold water, nothing sends your heart into a greater state of shock than that. So if you have any sort of heart condition that you may not know about, it could actually trigger a heart attack immediately. And so I, so while theoretically I'm with you, it's for those who don't know, I, I've, I've studied some Titanic history in the past. Listen to the people who survived it that like actually sunk into the water. The worst moment was the second they got submerged into that water. And most of okay. them died right then. Okay. So. I love you. I love you to death, but I'm going to differ on this with you for a little bit. I think that, that is as natural as stretching. So, yes, you could find that one in a million person that it has a bad effect on. But I think ice baths, for those that train heavy, especially during preseason camp, I think that they're very valuable. So I think you're, sh- for the most part, you're showing. Now, if they say I've got a heart condition, don't put me in the ice bath, then don't. But So I think that was okay. But let me give you an example of another hazing that um, – <laughs> That to me is probably a little over the top. That happened at Tennessee. Brian Darden shows up at Tennessee, and there was one reporter there that said he will be one of the best tailbacks at Tennessee. So this was the mid-late 90s. And Brian Darden was, a lot of you probably know his, his name. He was highly rated, and a lot of the media said right then and there, that this guy is going to be the next Reggie Cobb type of cat. This is going to be the next great player. Chuck Webb, if you want to throw it in there. Well, here's what Brian Darden did, according to multiple sources. Brian Darden trash-talked the whole time he showed up. And he happened to trash-talk to one of the best defenses that ever walked to the face of the earth. So they could run play action. Brian Darden got the hell knocked out of him. It didn't matter. He didn't even have the ball, and he was going to get hit. That probably broke Brian Darden's spirits at some point. So that is hazy. Did he deserve it because he trash-talked before he had done anything? Probably. But that's hazing when you take away somebody's will to play gone too far. And what happened to Brian Darden? I don't even know. But he left Tennessee. He came in talking trash. He got hazed to the extreme. And when I say extreme, he got physically hit more oftentimes in practice than anybody that was on the team. So that's probably a little bit too far. Now, let me say this about Northwestern. 
Northwestern decided about 10 years ago they want to play big boy football, right? They have one of the most beautiful. Now, it might not be as expensive, might not be as spacious, but they have one of the most beautiful on Lake Superior, I believe, workout facilities that you'll ever see. They went all in. They made sure that Pat Fitzgerald, who has now been suspended for two weeks, would be their coach long-term, and he has ties there, so they were able to do that. So am I surprised that it happened at Northwestern? Absolutely not. And here's the reason why. When you decide to play big-time football, you need a lot of people, not just the coaches, not just the players. You need a lot of people. So what happened when Lane Kiffin started going a little loopy crazy and, you know, they were drinking bourbon on a Sunday night when they were getting ready for next week's opponent? Well, they took a guy and they they, they said, and it was David Blackburn, and they said, you're now the director of football operations. You're not an associate AD anymore because we need you in and around this football team. And that's exactly what they did. Does Northwestern have that in place because they grew so quickly? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing not. Yeah, no that 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 makes a a, a ton of sense. And and, and 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 for people who don't know, with football programs, Dave, you know this. There's a lot of different factors that go into play. Where I don't want to be the guy that says the head coach isn't responsible, but sometimes a head coach is not necessarily. They can be a little more hands-off in things that they don't want anything to do with, but they don't get involved to stop. And if I were to give an example, I'll give an example since I went to Maryland. You remember the whole DJ Durkin, Jordan McNair issue about five yeah, years the young ago? Man, the young man died because he was pushed hard, hard, hard during a preseason camp. Yes. Now, what people don't realize was Durkin had a – yes, did he have a rigorous, probably way too far conditioning program in preseason camp? Yes, Absolutely. But Maryland, the school, contracted with a group of Johns Hopkins professionals for their medical staff for the football program that was not a competent medical staff. They didn't know what they were doing. And people have been calling for years for Maryland to switch their medical staff. Never did. Durkin, yes, he made the decision to stick with that medical staff, but he doesn't know medicine or anything like that. So he probably is just assuming that they know what they're talking about. And when McNair collapsed, they... One of the things that people like the, the medical staff didn't know to immediately pour ice on him, which apparently if you collapse from heat stroke, you immediately want to cover somebody in ice to try to calm them. The medical staff didn't know that and didn't do it. So Durkin took the fall. I'm not saying it, you know, someone has to, but that I wonder where Pat Fitzgerald is in this. Now, Pat Fitzgerald, a former, the former player, the whistleblower says Pat Fitzgerald knew fully, but it's one former player. I'm going to, you know, again, Pat Fitzgerald has his own right to defend himself. On this, this is this kind of reminds me of. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a Butch Jones fan, but this reminds me of. Remember with the AJ Johnson scenario when, but but Dre Bowles claimed that Butch Jones told the team to jump Dre Bowles for telling on AJ Johnson, and we don't know if that's true or not. Dre Bowles transferred to Michigan right. State. Yeah, and, and I'll give you another example. Mike Leach told of uh, Craig James's son that that you have a concussion go sit in a uh, dark shed basically that's not as off base as it sounds because they have you sit in a cool dark area when you have a concussion now it sounded insensitive at the time and it was probably insensitive 
but it wasn't as crazy as as it sounded. But Hazen, I think was Craig a, James was a total diva and was upset that his son wasn't getting play, more playing time and tried to get my totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. <laughs> but mean, in, in the '90s, hazing was a big thing. It was a hot topic issue. What are the hot topic issues? I mean, it, it, it may be the LGBT, whatever that acronym is. But the, it, hazing was a a hot issue at the time. So it was something that was looked at at the time as being a major problem in football. So people addressed it and people got incredibly sensitive to that and they should have, but am I surprised that that slipped? Am I surprised that a program that's busting at the seams or at least trying to compete with the top programs in its conference and its nation? Am I surprised this is cropped in again? Not at all. A memo will be sent out to all the different athletic directors or coaches, not just football about, about hazing, about how important that is. I think they'll revisit this issue and everything will be fine. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. City Heat and Air Integrity Matters. You might not need a whole new unit. If yours crashes, might just need coolant, might just need a part. That's City Heating and Air Conditioning, 50 years in Knoxville. City Heat and Air, cityheatandair.com. They are phenomenal, phenomenal, and they bring you Cooper Mays and the Ball Report. Let's turn it back to Tennessee, because Tennessee is still, even though in the latter stages of it, rebuilding a program, not just to compete for championships every year, which they have done, but to make that an annual thing. So I thought a fantastic column by our own uh, Caleb Calhoun that is on the website now, I would highly suggest you check that out. And it's the five things schools and athletic directors overrate when trying to build their college football program. So we're going to talk recruiting off-field gimmicks, uh, college football games being broadcast nationally, the college pedigree of a head coach, and then prestige. So let's get to that now. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. I'm about to make my move. Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com is who I will call because almost 40 years of experience in the real estate field there in Andy Mason's group. And he is fantastic. Best prices, best service in the biz. It ain't close. So here is your list. Let's uh, break it down as it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. So the top five things, and I'm going to pitch them at you, and I'll give you my retort. Number five, a coach's ability to recruit. Why is that overrated? Because I think there is a baseline in recruiting, and you have to be committed. You have to meet that baseline of commitment. Meet it, you know, Philip Fulmer met that baseline. Nick Saban meets that baseline. And the baseline I'm talking about is you have to be fully, thoroughly committed to recruiting. Outside of that commitment, though, because there's about 50 coaches that are committed like that to recruiting. There are. There are about 50 coaches in college football at any given time who are that committed. After that, it's about the other structural advantages of the program. You know, whether or not you're in a location that, it, you know, whether or not you're in a close to a player's backyard and a location, whether or not you're, you've had success yourself as a head coach that could get a player to the NFL. These things matter. I don't think, you know, with former in the nineties, Tennessee was playing, Tennessee was playing all over the country at that time. So they were much more noticeable. And so I think that you have to be able to be committed to heavily recruiting, but there you reach a level where you're not going to just, you know, when Jeremy Pruitt was hired, the whole concept was, Oh, he's a great recruiter. Well, I mean, you know, when you give them McDonald's bags of cash, yes, you can be. But on top of that, like, there's 100 other great recruiters or 50 others in the SEC alone. So Jeremy Pruitt versus Nick Saban for Alabama or for a kid from Georgia, 
doesn't matter how hard Jimmy Brewer works at recruiting. He's not going to be able to outsell Alabama. I'm going to give you two better examples, actually, with Tennessee. Butch Jones wasn't a great evaluator of talent. He just wanted the guy that had a four-star next to him or he was going to push that guy via recruiting services from a three-star to a four-star. So I don't think he was a great recruiter. And I don't think Derek Dooley was a great recruiter. I was told he didn't go to one high school football game his entire time at Tennessee. I think Tennessee recruited itself. So for a far different reason, I'm going to completely agree with you, a coach's ability to recruit. You can do more at Tennessee than you could than you can, say, TCU, who I know made the college football playoff. But Tennessee has more to offer. TCU has more players nearby. But, yes, I think you're limited – as, as far as a coach's ability to recruit to the school you're at. Nick Saban wouldn't be considered one of the best recruiters of all time if he was at Kansas State. It just wouldn't happen. Number four, you had off-field gimmicks that create buzz. I'm going to take a second here just to give a, an ovation to one Caleb Calhoun because I was thinking about third down for what over the season and how stupid that was. I know that's kind of an on-field gimmick. That stuff just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all, Calhoun. It doesn't. And the example I gave, it was 12 years ago. I was at that Maryland Monday Night Football game when they displayed those hideous uniforms. Remember that day? They got like famous for the ugly uniforms. Yeah, I I was working for ESPN, so I had to call all the Maryland recruits. And what do you think of it? And it was so funny that you bring that up because the recruits would say, those are neat because it's about the school. And then I would say kind of off the record, they kind of look like a hot mess. And each of them would go, well, they need to work on them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I had friends that were Maryland fans at the time. be like, you don't get it. Buzz is buzz. And the football yeah, team you don't get buzz. it. That's what they all said. You yes. don't get it unless you're a Maryland guy. Well, most of the prospects aren't from Maryland. Exactly. And guess what? Maryland went 2-10 and ten that year. That was one of their two wins. And they never had more than seven wins under Randy until they fired him five years later. So it clearly didn't work. And, you know, the flip side is Tennessee has gone with black jerseys and they've made things different. Well, the Tennessee fans that are tried and true, that's just blasphemy. But to a prospect in California, they're like, man, those black uniforms look pretty tight. I mean, if it were up to me, there wouldn't be alternate uniforms at Tennessee. But I understand the point and I can't blame them for that. But they're doing the black uniforms and they're winning with them. So, for instance, Butch Jones brought out the Smoky Grays. That didn't help him recruit. His recruiting classes got consistently worse each year because it didn't matter that he wore the Smoky Grays. As a matter of fact, the last time Tennessee did the Smoky Grays under Butch Jones, it was a 41 to nothing loss at home to Georgia. So, I mean, that's not going to help you sell when you bring out these alternate uniforms and then you lose 41 to nothing. Number of college football games broadcast nationally. That means absolutely nothing. It was a huge advantage for Tennessee, but now they're all broadcast nationally or streamed near you. That is, can I just go ahead and move past that one? Because that is not a factor. It's a great point by you, but they're all on TV now. And, you know, Philip Fulmer used to go into Terry Fair's house at Arizona and say, we've got eight games nationally televised. So you'll be able to see your son. And he's, Oh, great. And the mom's like, Oh, great. And, but nowadays they're all on TV. Last thing you put was prestige. Can I get a little well, more info on that? Oh, sorry. Well, there's, there's there's one more before that, the pedigree of a head coach. Oh, sense. I missed college pedigree of a head coach. Um, this one, 
Okay, let's, let's start with Prestige first. I want to go back to this one because I think I may disagree with you on two, but Prestige. Prestige of the program you had at number one. Why yes. is that overvalued? Because athletic directors, you've heard Tennessee do this. You've heard other places. They say, because of our history of success, we have a lot to sell to a recruit. Well, a recruit doesn't care that you won the national championship in 1998. Recruits today weren't born then. They don't care that Notre Dame has however many national titles. They last won one in 1989. I was one when Notre Dame won their last last national title. So, like, it was was a great year for you, though. 89? No, you were one. What a great year when I was one. (laughs) You didn't have a worry in the world. I didn't. I didn't. But, you know, I was, you know, I was really thinking, when is Notre Dame going to win their next title? No, I'm kidding. But uh, this one bothers me because here's where prestige, prestige helps insofar as if you have a great history, then you probably have a great fan base. So then your great fan base at stadiums can help sell recruits. But just prestige alone, there's not a recruit in the world that says, man, look at the, look at the football history of this program. I would have commit there. Like you think Georgia, you think, otherwise Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh would be getting top three recruiting classes every year. They're not. Okay. Slight pushback. Slight pushback is that prestige also could mean you have more legacy players. Okay. So like a, a Cade Mays never transfers back to Tennessee if his dad didn't play there and he didn't grow up there. So slight pushback, but I agree with you. Um, on that overvalued college football. Okay. So cu- we're going backwards. So the list is because I'm butchering uh, Calhoun's great column. Number five, a college uh, co- a coach's ability to recruit number four off field gimmicks that create buzz. Number three, number of college football games nationally broadcast. These are the five things schools, athletic directors overrate when trying to build their college football programs. And I love this when, when Caleb is able to dive into something like this. And we got number one, as prestige also tcu do they have great prestige no and they had a pretty good year last year uh, to support and, your and princeton has the greatest prestige of any college football program ever if you really think about it given the history i don't think they're getting top five talent yeah and <laughs> yells isn't bad even though they misspell the the name of their school shouldn't it be y-e-l-l <laughs> joking all right college football pedigree of the head coach i don't know where you're going with this to be real honest with you because uh, I thought Nick Saban was not a loser because he was with the Dolphins and they were struggling. And I thought because of his college football pedigree at LSU and making Michigan State somewhat relevant early in his career, that he would be a lock at Alabama. So this one throws me off a little bit, to be real honest with you. Pedigree is about pedigree is about your connections. So Derek Dooley and Lane Kiffin both were hired in part because they were the sons of great coaches. Okay. I see where you're going. And so, and, and, and for Dooley, I will never forget Mike Hamilton in the first minute of the press conference. He had a five-year tutelage under Nick Saban. Who cares? Okay. We've seen with, co- like, we've seen with coaching trees now. We should know enough to know just because you worked under someone, that means nothing in terms of how good of a head coach you're going to be at all. It, it literally means nothing. You're your own. What's Josh Heupel's pedigree? Barry Odom at Missouri? Okay, yes, Bob Stoops, who fired him. And Barry Odom at Missouri and what Matt Wells or whatever at Utah, somebody like that. Like, And he's working out pretty good at Tennessee right now. I mean, what's Dabo Swinney's pedigree? Tommy Bowden? Not Bobby Bowden, Tommy Bowden. Okay. <laughs> and he's got two national titles. So, hey, I, you know. Hey, 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 hold on. Tommy tried his best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tommy, Tommy gave it his all, Caleb. So let's not throw Tommy Bowden under the oh, bus. I'm, I'm I mean, sorry, he tried very hard. He he tried. What's what's next? Are you gonna? <laughs> I'm just saying that like pedigree. We hear this all the time. Coach, how many times do coaches get hired because of other coaches they're connected to? And it is one of the most overrated things ever done in hiring college football coaches, and it drives me insane, honestly. And it was the it was the Bowden that uh, I get them confused uh, that went twelve and zero at uh, Auburn. Terry, that was Terry. Terry, Terry was very fond. Terry stopped by a radio station I was at one time and was very fond of the secretary that showed him to the studio. She was a young, pretty lady, and uh, uh, t- t- Terry. Isn't that why he had to leave his job? I don't know, but I just know he liked, uh, her name was Kendra, and he liked her a lot and requested a phone number. That's all I'm saying. Have a fantastic day, morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're watching. We're live 10 a.m. Take me, do one second. Do one second before you tune out. Hit the notifications button because we're in high gear, and we're going to have Dante Stallworth. We're excited. Hit subscribe. Hit like if you haven't, because we're going to bring you more and more. To me, it is football season. We are there, and I'm excited. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.